RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. The Trek Files, Season 5, Episode 16. Letters to Gene Roddenberry from Star Trek fans, 1970s. Welcome to The Trek Files, a look into the archives of Roddenberry Entertainment from the personal files of Gene Roddenberry. And now your host, Dr. Trek, Larry Nemechek. Well, welcome back, Star Trek fans. Hey, all of you Star Trek historians, all you pop culture academics, I'm sure you're out there. (laughs) All of our canonistas, I say that lovingly because I embrace my original definition of canonista, which are people who just love the canon. I don't mean canon fiends or canon abusers. I mean canon lovers. In short, guys, I'm talking about all of you Trekophiles out there. Trekophiles spelled with an F. We've got a wonderful little um, a lighthearted show this week from a lot of areas. So, listen, as always, look for our documents right where you found the show, if you were looking on Facebook. Hit facebook.com slash thetrekfiles. Find our documents for the week all right out of Gene's mail file. Listen to a sample right here, as usual. And then join me for some more and this week's guest. I have a small suggestion for your Star Trek movie. I know in past episodes, blood has rarely been shown, but in the movie, if there is any scene where someone bleeds, I think it would look good if it were Spock. For instance, say Spock's arm is cut. Imagine the reaction when green blood spurts out. See what I mean? All right, Trekophiles. Uh, it doesn't get much more visceral than that. You've heard the phrase, if it bleeds, it leads. Well, there you go. <laughs> Another fine example. Uh, yes, we've dived into the mailbag, the 70s mailbag, the wonderful era of not just typewritten letters, but handwritten letters from the kids. And if you look at our sample this week, you've got to go look at the whole sample. We're going to talk about all of them today. Uh, you get the full gamut. <laughs> you get the gamut of ages and a uh, pretty good geographic spread, too. But, uh, hey, I want to welcome our guest this week who helped me dig out some of these letters. Uh, John Champion, once again, you know him from Mission Log. He's our producer here on the show. And, uh, John, these are just a lot of fun here. For, for Corona time, for pandemic uh, lockdown, um, <laughs> here's a little bit of a lighthearted look at, um, you know, the effect that Star Trek had. And these are all 70s letters, obviously, but uh, they're a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're, they're all around 1975-ish. And I'm just so glad that Gene and Majel kept so much of this because you know that there had to be a lot. Um, but this, uh, honestly, this seems to be kind of the, the sweet spot for, for getting all of these because uh, we have that first wave of fandom mm-hmm. right at the, at the end when uh, Star Trek's original run ended. And then you've got all the anticipation um, in that early to mid-70s when, well, you have the animated show and then uh, we're going to have a movie. Right. No, we're going to have a TV series. No, we're going to have a movie. We're gonna, <laughs> and, and conventions are happening. So this is really fans absolutely taking the bull by the horns and making their voices It's heard. like if you could slice and dice the 70s, there are all these little mini movements. All the, a lot of these letter writers are talking about the movie, the movie. So it obviously yeah. hasn't happened yet. But this, these are all, you said, these are all around 1975. So we've had first wave show uh, that we've had like first wave uh, the first wave with the with the series itself then it's gone and people are despondent and demanding 
and then there's a little bit of reaction around the animated series. But you know, the animated series came and went, and it didn't sabotage the comeback. It's still there. Right. And this is these right. are right around in the time of the first announcements of a movie happening. So it's like each of these is like a little mini spectrum of time. And now these are all pretty much coming out of the, hey, we got it made. It's just a matter of time now. The world is going right. to see. And, and again, they come from, we've got the kids we love to smile at. But there's some adult letters in here, too, that are very yeah. on point. This whole thing is kind of the double-edged sword with fandom and with Star Trek fandom in particular. So I, I always like to say that, you know, Star Trek survived and thrived because it died the first time around, because the fans made it their own. Uh, you would not have 50 years of Star Trek if you didn't have that initial fall off and then have fans making their own conventions and, and fanzines and fan fiction. So it really became an industry for them. And what does Gene do during this period? Well, he, he's very smart. He's very prudent about it. Does the college lecture circuit. He's sort of orchestrating uh, with John and Bijo originally, but making sure that Star Trek Enterprises, a.k.a. Lincoln Enterprises, a.k.a. <laughs> Roddenberry Entertainment, um, stays out there and stays active with the fans, which is great. But then what does that mean? It means, well, as soon as you say, hey, there's a new series or hey, there's a new movie, all those fans now who have mm -hmm. ownership mm -hmm. in their relationship with you Feel free to send you whatever thoughts are on their mind, whatever suggestions they have. They're a part of it, too. Well, now. that is, as we've said over the years, that double-edged sword. And as every new caretaker of the franchise has to find out for themselves, it is a double-edged sword. Uh, the yeah. very fact that, I don't know, all these, all these stockholders <laughs> feel mm -hmm. free to yeah. write the CEO of the corporation here. Right. Uh, the fact that right. so many are stakeholders, if not stockholders... Uh, the fact that you can go 10 and 20 and 30 and 40 and 50 years and have a job, uh, thanks to these people, also means that at times you have to do give them a listen. And, um, and there's yeah. the ups and downs, and sometimes the excitement of the beginning is kind of daunting for those showrunners. But then they, at some point, <laughs> sometimes it's right off the bat, but at some point they come face to face with that. Now, here we are in, the, in 75, back to these letters, and it's, we're in that sweet spot of, we smell. We've we've won the first battle. They at least yeah. know we exist, you know. Yeah. And we're not just a bunch of kids writing letters. Oh well, some of us are. Well, some but, of us are. Yeah. <laughs> well, well let, let's take yeah, some let's of these in, in order. Yeah. We we just we picked out a handful here and uh, just taking them in order. I, I love. I mean, the first thing that strikes me always is uh, mm -hmm. sort of the the broad spectrum of being very general. Like, let's talk about my fandom and and what I like here, or broad topics. But then the utter specificity of <laughs> some of the things that the thing that, they've chosen to write that letter yes and spend like, that like, stamp on right. absolutely i'm going to spend my stamp on this i have to get this off my chest well the first one here is a lot of fun um from you know from from a young person and mm -hmm. uh the, this is larry uh not our larry this is larry summers in uh, mm -hmm. new jersey and he he actually makes a pretty fun and funny observation here um why do Vulcans only have one name? And he goes on to say, look, if you think about it, Spock, Stan, he, he does the math. Sarek, I love he that does. he does it, yes. He does. If you have a town of 40,000 people, if there's only 600 people named Spock and only 20 of them went to the same school, look, if there's three of them in the same class, it's going to drive a teacher nuts. <laughs> you know, I, 
I, I thought I remember thinking this at the time somewhere along the way, you know, when I was younger and had nothing else to think about. But I remember thinking, now, wait a minute. There's only one Spock on all of Vulcan. And then, you know, then your cannon head kicks in and says, now, wait a minute. There is a second name. Uh, yeah, you know, it's been yeah. Layla talked about Ask about it. Uh, Amanda mentioned it. We never got it. Jo- Dorothy Fontana threw out that. Zixman of Fritzwild or whatever, just that typing gibberish name right, at a convention right. as a joke, and people took it seriously, and that was. And then different fan people, different fan writers have tried to come up with a name. So technically, Vulcan names float around out there, but they eventually made Vulcans and Klingons in the same mold, where it was somebody was like Spock, son of Sarek. Oh, okay, well that does it. Yeah, right. You know, yeah. Uh, there's four names, there's four words instead of having. Th- it, but it's a very valid point. And, uh, it's it's like the naming astute. of cats. It's a very difficult matter. Yeah, Not yeah. just one of your holiday games. Um, yeah, so I, it, that, that's cute and it's fun. And, and this, uh, and John, Larry. He's, yeah. he's the vice president of the Star Trek Club of uh, Denville, New Jersey. But don't worry looking it up. Because yeah. it's an unrecognized he, club. He does so point you know. out that it's unrecognized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. so Which it was, might purely be limited to his room. Thankfully, um, the vast majority of Star Trek support was of just of that kind, and it was just fun. yes, yeah, yes. <laughs> so, so that that's very cute. And then we move on to another letter here from a young person from mm-hmm. Scott in Queens, New York. And it, it, now I, I love that that Scott, like uh, this is a kid after my own heart, noticing the repeat of props and and set mm-hmm. pieces. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the computer, the Beta Five, and Assignment Earth is the same thing as the Atavacron and all our yesterdays. He says, "How come?" And obviously, the answer is budget. <laughs> you right. Know, that's, um, but then I, I really like, uh, he's taking a leap here about uh, future budget. So in a Star Trek movie, please make it in Sensoround, uh, which they first <laughs> used in Earthquake in, in Earthquake, 1974, right? right? Those 70s gimmicks, yeah. Uh, so you can feel it. And quadraphonic sound, which I think <laughs> was first used in Tommy. Yes, um, quadraphonia, yeah. Well, that, yeah, was another, not, that was another title. Yeah, yes, yes. Not really used after that because it's expensive and, and not mm-hmm. all theaters could really could run it. Could rewire um, for it, yes. And, and if possible, smellio, so you can smell the movie. <laughs> and then, Smell-o-vision, yes. Yeah. Uh, there was a tab hunter and, uh, and um, oh, the drag queen actor, actress. Um, uh, Divine. Divine. There was a movie yeah. that tab hunter and Divine did that I had the smell-o-vision card for. I couldn't. Oh wow! I've gone blank wow. on the name, but yes. Oh, so that was, well, it, had, yeah, it was a John Waters movie. It wasn't. Yes, uh, yes. It wasn't Pink Flamingos. It was. Yeah, but I, I, I yeah, yes. absolutely. They handed out the little, uh, the little card for that. Yeah, he's and, just and then, trying to update the, you know, try to oh, get sure. it for Tribbles, Klingons, Romulans, and Spock's parent. Yeah, or try get to get all these them things in. in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whether it's connected to Smellovision or not, I don't know. Yeah. But good on Scott. Yes. Right. And then we move along to uh, Jeffrey, who's from Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Master Jeffrey. Master Jeffrey. Which I remember was yes. an affectation that young guys, like at the Hardy Boys age, would like to <laughs> would use. <laughs> I remember, okay, wait, but, but wait, 12, there's 13, a little tangent 14. here. Did, did you yeah. ever get, I remember getting letters oh, yes. as a kid around that age. Like, that, like cha- well, it was like corporate, cha- you know, uh, form yeah. letters, emails. It was like it was such an appeal to the ego of the 12, 14 right. year Yeah. <laughs> Right. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure it was like the G.I. Joe fan club had me down as Master John Champion. People were you know? just getting enamored of, of feels in uh, email, f- not, not email, oh, excuse me, not email, <laughs> but mail files, you know. Right. Title, right. Mr. and Mrs. Master for the kids. Yeah, for yeah. the boys. 
And, and Jeffrey is really laying it on here. This is typed. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And he, we should point out that he's 12 years old. Uh, but the, the, he probably Put. got some help here. Um, because Check it, out his it, casting specs here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's... He's a big kid. He, he's five foot ten, uh, weighs a couple hundred pounds. He says he's twelve, but he can easily play sixteen. Okay, and mm-hmm. he's he's doing a couple of interesting things here. He says he's chubby, camera. but he can lose it. He can lose, yeah, yeah. He says that. Good for him. <laughs> now he says that he he's writing to get autographs because he is a fan. But mm-hmm. then he says, "Oh, I know I shouldn't ask this, but I really want a screen test." For whatever the next mm-hmm. Star Trek thing is, um, and, and this is I, it, look, you never want to discourage somebody. This is not the way you screen test for something. Is by writing a fan letter to he enclosed a picture to the producer, yeah. <laughs> but um, but at the same time, it's sort of like okay, nothing ventured, nothing gained. I hope if you did this, I hope you also uh, looked up agents. I don't know, maybe maybe he did, and maybe he. Changed his name and had a lifelong career that we're simply unaware of. Oh, Jeffrey Allen Letts, if that is indeed your real name, please uh, let get in touch yeah. with us. Yeah, but I, you know, uh, precocious. He, he's uh, not only throwing his hat into the ring to be an actor and says, "Look, I wouldn't mind coming to Hollywood for a screen <laughs> test. I'm sure you wouldn't if you pay the airline ticket and get me into <laughs> he's Paramount." He's no dummy. He's gonna at least right. get his. Yeah, yeah. Right, right, and then he. Talks about the things that he's into. He, he's uh, a, a pianist, an organist, an artist, a book collector, a rock collector, a ufologist, a songwriter. He's just, you know... Uh, he's got, look, I mean, no, look, he's a model rail. He's an astronomer. I, mean, he, I yeah. thought I was bad, but he's got me beat by two or three. But it's like, he's, it's funny how the interests are overlapping there. Yes, yeah, He's a yes. magician, a scientist, a songwriter. All in caps, too, so he's very excited about it. Yeah. But what I love most of all is that he says, I'm sure you could fit me in as Spock or Jim's cousin, that I'm in trouble. <laughs> and Jim or right. Spock is the only one that can get me out of this trouble. John, yes. we've got the male equivalent of a Mary Sue here. Right. We should have a whole new category of the Jeffrey Allens. Yes, yes. You know, it's the young guy that wants to get out of trouble. And, uh, yeah. You know, yeah. go save him and his model railroad layout and his stamp and coin he's, collection. And I'm saying that one. with love because that was exactly me, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I've been there. Yes. I, I, Jeffrey, you and I reach. Um, <laughs> Brother. And then, uh, and then we go to uh, Texas, uh, Port mm-hmm. Neches, Texas. Brian, who writes in a handwritten letter here. And this is just the fun one about, look, if you're going to make a movie... Let's see some blood. Let's see some blood. <laughs> and if it's going to be Star Trek and it's going to be aliens, let's see some green blood. See some green blood. How use could the, you not Use the canon, Gene. Come on. Use the right. universe. It's not fan service. It's using the universe. That's what Right, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he also wants uh, an autograph and mm-hmm. asks if Majel can sign something Asking as well. Thank you, Majel. Right. And then a pretty long PS, a, a paragraph <laughs> here for a PS, um, asking about updating the uniforms for star trek mm-hmm. um he's like look at current you know look at the the current uniforms worn by the houston astros um the, the this is a style with like a, a wide elastic black band at the bottom like it's this like would that, work. You know, that that wide elastic band the 70s to keep your windbreaker you know up against you and all that but you know what he's falling victim to something that i did the first few times watch it felt like 
especially security people, had that black band around their waist. But, oh, mm -hmm. Brian, if you're still out there and you're still confused, you're actually, it took me a while to figure it out when I was a kid, that's actually the black, you know, in the first season they had the brown wraparound belts that right. like cowboy belts, or right. gun belts, right, for right. the phasers to attach to. Yeah. I guess that was the thinking, they had to look like brown leather. But they went to, they switched to soon early on to that black, I think mid-first season, they went to that black elastic uh, mm -hmm. band that the phasers, you know, velcroed onto. Yeah, yeah, the velcro on it. Yeah, everything. the security yeah. off, and the, even yeah. you see the, but it, the, you don't really get it because the guys it blends into their black pants. You, when you see the women security people with a black belt, you went, oh, oh, that's what it is. Right. Yeah, that confused me. It's like, what do they suddenly get a big black band? But yeah. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, nice try, Brian. But uh, yeah. But it, we got it handled. And then we have uh, a letter, mm -hmm. uh, this one from uh, an older person. This is from Anthony in Sayville, New York. Very and, adult, uh, sweeping, cursive, just like the books taught you. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yes. nice handwriting. Uh, mm -hmm. Definitely give him that. And he talks about uh, going to a movie with his wife and seeing a, a short uh, made by <laughs> the Travel Bureau, uh, South African Tourist Ministry, called And on the Third Day. And he was really taken in by the, the native foliage and landscape and how it looked very alien. Wow, you should get shots from this to use in your next movie. I could see a landing party there. <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah, um, well, he's thinking like budget, uh, lo he's thinking location filming. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, and he's very specific about that. That that's just you know that that's the kind of thing that's very interesting to me that somebody sees somebody who's got you know presumably no connection to the entertainment world, no connection personally to Gene Roddenberry, just sees a thing in a theater. Wow, that made me think of Star Trek. And here he's writing this in 1975 and saying, "I've been watching Star Trek since 1966." Since, since it came on, you know, so and this really old first timers. First. -timers. Yeah. Nine years later is in my head when I when I see this. Um, uh, but and yes. Then, and again, what the thing that made him spin the stamp. Yeah, right. 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 All right, so finally we've got John Guthrie the third here in Radford, Virginia, and uh, I really like his uh, his brevity and his specificity. This is a tight mm -hmm. six point mm -hmm. letter. Here are the things that I recommend for Number Star Trek. Bulleted out, yes. Yeah, very clear. It's a and memo. Whoever in Gene's office, hey, they they circled a few of these, and they even uh, mm -hmm. circled in red one, which we'll we'll get to here in a second. But let's just take these in order because I I, I think each deserves a comment here. It says first of all, they're out in space. Uh, they don't have an atmosphere. They need sun lamps to stay healthy. <laughs> well. You know, you're not wrong, John, but uh, we've also learned a lot since 1975 about overexposure right. to UV rays. So we need to make sure that we're very careful about that. Um, number two, in sick bay, they need a dentist. Yes, that's very true. And, and to, to use a, uh, a slang or colloquial term here, a ship's head shrink. So a psychologist, right. a counselor. And lo and behold... Yeah, uh, 12 years later, we get a ship's counselor. And see, the problem with his wording here is, as colloquial and colorful as it might be, did he mean a ship's head shrink, or did he mean a shrink for the ship's head? Because that's a totally different mm, Yes, yeah, good thing. point, good right. point, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> number three, instead of having to use onboard sensors to track unauthorized passengers, why not have a closed-circuit television? Mm. Now, okay, good point that Star Trek... 
you really don't have security cameras anywhere. I think that there's one point where Odo and DS9 has to set something up, but for all the problems that could have been solved with having security cameras, they just don't. However, in next gen, the communicator badge has your location built in. Mm-hmm. So, and that's very often and used you know, as a plot point. I think point. this is a huge this is a huge issue we just opened up here. It's mm-hmm. this is a college course or a, or a dissertation. I think no, I think I think sensor cameras are a thing because anytime something goes wrong, they mm-hmm. pull up the sensor log and there's video record. There's a video recording of it, and I'm pretty sure it would have been for Kirk's time too. We just didn't get it for budget. You know all that matting. <laughs> right. Yeah, um, yeah. On visual effects, but I, I just have a thing. There's some kind of protocol that those things are just locked down, unless it's some highly public area. You know, like a coming and going. You would hope. You would hope. But you know, for all the problems that could have been solved, exist. to just, just say, "Hey, let's run the security footage." Like, right. <laughs> rarely, you right. know, rarely do they ever do that. Right. Yeah, yeah, in a highly sensitive. Yeah. Yeah, yes. I'm going to say, like, in the engine room, in the transporter mm-hmm. room, like these are important places you need to have. Uh, but my point uh, is, there's there's a whole sophistication of privacy. Obviously, privacy. Aside from the fact that you apparently can walk in on anybody's holodeck. <laughs> program oh, yeah. in progress, which happened oh, yeah. all the time. Yeah. Uh, save the day sometimes, but otherwise, that, that's the thing that got me about privacy. I'm like, so you can't like lock the door on your own hollow program, but okay. Right. Anyway. Yeah. Or you could also go to a computer and say, hey, bring up so and so's personal logs. What? I, <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, they didn't um, have two factor, you know, authentication. Right. Right. Yeah. Apparently. They have to text somebody that's, a pin code. A, there's a clue that we actually are in a, an alternate universe with uh, future travel. Yes. Yeah. Passwords now, are never developed. Number four here. Yes. How about some pockets or a pouch <laughs> on the belt? Yes, yes, John, you're right. Uh, um, finally yes. figured that out by the time of Enterprise, uh, where they had pockets everywhere. Yeah. So, so, such a throwback show, yeah. Yeah. Uh, number five, how about a telephone for married members of the crew to call home? Now, okay, so we didn't get a telephone <laughs> exactly, but by the time of Next Gen, certainly mm-hmm. uh, subspace communications much more explored. You had much more communication with family members, uh, co-workers in well, different places. By the time of Next Gen, you just made a holodeck recreation of them and talked to them yeah. if you were there that. There you go. Yeah, you, you don't need to actually homesick. talk right, to the right. real person. Yeah, yeah. But I like and, how you're only allowed to get this long-distance telephone if you're married. If you're yeah. single, <laughs> <Right>. if you're <laughs> yeah, widowed, too bad. Too bad. <laughs> you know, too too bad. bad. Uh, and last but not least, he makes this reference here circle. to yes. the enemy within, and this is circled in red. I love it. I'd love to know who actually did that. In case some crew members get stuck on an ice planet because of a transporter malfunction, a long rope, and a pot of hot coffee. Yep. Throw back of course, that's to, what uh, Sulu asked for. <laughs> And um, cute that he's, he's paying that close attention to the show and just well, that's threw that in there as a little, little zinger. A little, with a little, a little twinkle there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and the thing about all of these letters is um, John R. Guthrie III signed his typewritten letter. The thing that I worry about in our I, – I keep having uh, 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 Samuel Cogley's language here in our pasteurized, homogenized, computerized blandness – yeah. Is the era, you know, I think about with Ken Burns documentaries. Someday, 50 or 100 years from now, some camera is just going to lovingly pass over a stack of email printouts if they even survive. Yeah. You know, I right. love how all of these right. letters, I mean, we love to look at the kids' letters, but, you know, the types, the typing balls, people signing under their typing, all that, all that yes. old protocol. But the kids, you know, the first couple we had especially, just the minute you see the letter, you have a clue about their personality, their age. 
you know, do right. they have their cursive under control? Did they abandon cursive? <laughs> are they? Are, is this an adult and they're typing? Oh, it's a kid and he's typing. Okay, that's I. You know, right. I just miss that. I miss that. That's that's almost another dimension of looking at letters in the seventies that has nothing to do with Star Trek, but it does add to. You know, you're, we're, we're really getting that snapshot in time moment. It's really adding to the culture of the time. It really gives everything from. a personality. Right, yeah. right, right. And these are all fans, again, that have no expectation. They got three years. They got 79 hours of Star Trek. There yeah. is no bloody A, B, C, or D, and much less anybody else's crew. <laughs> and, right. um, and it's just, you know, things were just simple. Oh, here's some... But they're underlyingly... All so excited. The, the, the unspoken truth here, so, some spoke. But most of it, the subtext is, we're so excited to have a movie on the way, so I know, I know these are relevant now. I'm not just some wacko sending you ideas exactly. for a dead show. There's exactly. hope. There's hope that we can see this. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun, John. John, thank you for helping me open the mailbag. I think we've discovered a cachet here, a cache that we may get into uh, again in the future. When there's it's... so many. There's a lot of there fun is... stuff, and we'll do it again. Yeah. Good on Major and Gene. Yes. The Trek Files is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Executive producer, Rod Roddenberry. Now, all of our documents every week, as well as your chance to comment, are right there on our main page at Facebook, facebook.com slash the Trek Files. Now, for more great podcasts, check out podcast.roddenberry.com. And for more deep diving of Star Trek behind the scenes, check out larrynimacek.com and Portal 47. That's me. Trek well, everybody. Podcast.roddenberry.com. The Roddenberry Podcast Network.